There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Experience true joy at work. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef. When you realized that your real boss is the one who loved you and died for you, is the one who provides for your every need, is the one who watches over you, is the one who will reward you, then whatever and whomever your earthly boss may be, you can go around whistling Dixie all day long. Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef. Heard on the radio, online at ltw.org, with your Leading the Way app and through the technology of smart speakers. For many, work is a means to an end. You know, the daily grind that brings you a paycheck to buy petrol, pay the rent or mortgage, and hopefully have some cash left over to do something fun on the weekend or take a holiday. But the Bible declares that work should be for the Lord, not the boss and shouldn't be driven by a paycheck. Ouch. Today on Leading the Way, Dr. Yusuf returns to Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul has some pointed advice for both employees and employers. Let's listen. Amazing Grace by Eric Metaxas. It's a great book. It's a wonderful book. It's a story of William Wilberforce, who single-handedly ended the slave trading for England. And when you read the book, you realize in the details in this book, the incredible continuous endurance and the persistence endurance under the most difficult circumstances. You'll see the the numerous failures. We always like to talk about successes, and we forget that before you get to a success, there are a hundred failures along the way. You read about the threats of defeat and total defeat You read about the tenacious persistence in the face of what appears to be hopelessness in the cause of Christ, the variety of sufferings that Wilberforce experienced personally as a result of his conviction of the Word of God and the truth of the gospel, the alienation by some old friends or even family members that he had gone through and and the pain that came with all of that the financial sacrificial giving that he gave away for the cause of Christ and the cause of the gospel and the conviction that God laid on his heart, the threats on his life, the passion not only to end this horrible stigma of slave trading, but also a passion to see lost men and women come to Christ and be saved eternally. It's an incredible, incredible story. Why am I telling you all this? Obviously, I have a reason. There are many people who are critics of the Bible, who are critics of the Christian faith, who are critics of Christianity. There are many people who are critics of the Apostle Paul. 
And they said, Paul is wrong. The Bible is wrong. He should never have said, slaves, obey your masters. He should have said, slaves, revolt against your masters. Slave, disobey your masters. But here's the problem. Like it is the case with most Bible critics, they don't understand the power of the gospel. They don't understand the power of the Word of God. They don't understand the very heart of what God is trying to accomplish here through the writing of the Apostle Paul. Neither did they understand the context of the culture of the day. Because at the time when Paul was writing these words inspired by the Holy Spirit, there were estimated 60, that's 6-0, million slaves in Rome, the Roman Empire. 60 million. There were more slaves in Rome than free men. These 60 million people included doctors, engineers, accountants, professionals of every kind, as well as manual laborers and farm workers. I want you to hear me right here, please. The Apostle Paul and the entire New Testament believe and teach and cry out and saying, when the heart is changed, when the heart is committed to Christ, when the heart is regenerated, the relationship between slave and masters should mirror the relationship between Christ and His people. And who wouldn't want a master like the Lord Jesus Christ? Who would not want that kind of master? A master who loved us and died for us. A master who adopted us and called us sons and daughters. A master who provides for every need and many of our wants. A master who protects us from the wickedness of sin and Satan. A master who guards us and shelters us from the enemy. A master who has placed our names in his will to be co-inheritors with him. I sign me on. I want that kind of master. Let me tell you something. Every human being on the face of the earth is a slave to something or someone. There are many people who are slaves to money. People who are slaves to addiction. There are slavery everywhere today. And I am telling you, only Jesus Christ can liberate you. He is the master who can set you free. Listen carefully, please. The entire New Testament does not teach us to gradually just improve the human condition or the human nature. No, the New Testament does not call us to tinker with the outward surface appearances of the issues of life. That is cosmetics. No, the New Testament cries out saying that the real problem is the problem of the heart, that the real reformation that needs to take place is in the heart, because outward reformation is just mere cosmetics. The heart needs a radical surgery. The heart needs to be changed completely. The heart needs an extreme makeover. That's the heart of the Christian faith. And when the heart is changed, laws are changed. Lives are changed. Society changed. And so today, thanks to changed hearts, as in the case of Wilberforce and many others that I won't have time to get to, there is no man owning men anymore, at least in our society. So you say, Michael, well, then how in the world are you going to apply these verses if we don't have slavery, we don't have masters, we don't have slaves? Well, how do you apply this? It is a message to both the employer and the employee. Here's the biblical truth. How you view your workplace, how you view your work, 
that God has given you will make all the difference in the world, not only in your life, but in the lives of all those around you. It really does. There are some people who view work as a curse. They really do. I mean, they dread Monday morning. There are some people who see work as just an unnecessary evil. Uh, it's a means by which we just survive. It's a drudgery that we must endure. No, no, no. That's not what the New Testament teaches here. In fact, people sometimes talk in a derogatory term about their workplace and about their co-workers that kids often get confused. Let me tell you a story. There was a lady who decided to take her son to work one day. And uh, the boy had a great time. He had a good time talking to all his colleagues, and, and they all were kind to him, and all nice to him, and he had a ball. But on the way home, he was distressed. And his mother said, what's wrong? Did you not have a good time? I said, oh, yes, I did. Well, what's wrong with you? He said, well, I'm just so disappointed. I didn't get to play and with all those clowns he said you work with. <laughs> <laughs> How you view your workplace will make a difference, not only for you, but for everyone around you. I want you to remember this. Paul still talking about relationships in the context of the Spirit-filled life. And he said all the relationships that are between husband and wife and children and parents and employer-employees, they are all have to come under the rubric of being filled daily with the Holy Spirit. How? He taught us how when a life that is filled with the Spirit and between husbands and wives, when their lives daily, moment by moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, they're not only going to accept and live and delight themselves, but rejoice in God's blueprints for husband and wife. When children and parents are living the Spirit-filled life, moment by moment, the children will obey their parents, and the parents will not provoke their children. And it's the same thing here, the same way. He said the employer and the employee, when they live the Spirit-filled life, they will have a peaceful workplace. They will view their work as a blessing and not a curse. They will view their work as their mission field. They will view their work as an opportunity to impact their surroundings for Jesus Christ, as an opportunity to witness through faithfulness and hard work, as an opportunity to glorify God in the workplace. And when that happens, they will turn difficult situations and difficult circumstances and difficult people into a happy situation. When both employer and employee see each other the way God sees both of them, they will realize that workplace is a blessing from God, as an opportunity to serve God. When the heart is changed, the vision and the foresightedness about the workplace and about your coworkers is going to change. Yeah. I'm going to talk about foresightedness. I heard about this guy who said, I am so nearsighted, I nearly worked myself to death. And a friend of him said, well, what has being nearsighted got to do with you working to death? He said, well, I'm so nearsighted, I can't see whether the boss are watching me or not, so I work all the time. <laughs> but, you know, that's exactly what Paul is saying here in verse 7. Look at it in the Bible. Verse 7 of chapter 6, serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, because you know the Lord will reward everyone with a slave or free. Please listen to me. 
When you have a difficult boss, when you have a difficult situation at work, when you have a difficult work environment that's getting you down, the natural thing for all of us to do is to say, well, I'm not going to work hard. Why should I? Why should I work hard for this boss? This boss is not appreciative of my effort. He's not appreciative of my hard work. I am not going to kill myself working. I'm just going to do the minimum. I I am going to get by. I'm not fairly compensated, so I'll give them what their money's worth. (laughs) I'm not going to stretch myself. Beloved, listen to me. The Word of God said, remember who your real boss is. Remember who your real boss really is. (laughs) And it's not the one you think. As long as you think that you're working for an earthly boss, as long as you think you're working for an earthly institution, as long as you think you're working for an earthly company, the slightest problem in your workplace, and you will be miserable. You will be miserable. But when you realize that your real boss is the one who loved you and died for you, is the one who provides for your every need, is the one who watches over you, is the one who will reward you, then whatever and whomever your earthly boss may be, you can go around whistling Dixie all day long. You go around talking to him. I mean, hell will be breaking loose in your workplace, in your office. But you are singing praises to your boss. You are talking to your real boss. Most people hear you talking and say, what are you doing? So I'm talking to the boss. Well, there's no boss. Nobody around here. And I'm talking to my real boss. Well, what are you talking to the boss? I'm, they might think you're nuts. <laughs> Tell me you're talking to your real boss. In the tough situation, talk to your real boss, the real, real boss, and say to him, boss father, <laughs> I don't care if people hear you or not, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Boss father, I know you're watching me right now. Boss father, Let me glorify you in this place. Boss Father, strengthen me through this situation so that I may shine the light of Christ. Boss Father, you are the rewarder of the faithfuls. Allow me and help me to be faithful. Boss Father, help me to express faithfulness in my work. Boss Father, help me to present my faithfulness and to present my hard work as an offering, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Hear me right. When you are continuously being spirit-filled, you will have the right perspective. And when you have the right perspective, you will have the right attitude. And when you have the right attitude, you'll be faithful on your job, regardless of the circumstances. And boss father is going to reward you for your faithfulness, even if your earthly boss does not. But Paul also speaks to the bosses. He say he just doesn't talk only to the employees. He talks to the employers. So those of you who are employers, listen carefully. Perk your ears. (laughs) He speaks to them. And he said to the employers that you should have the same attitude toward your employees that they will have toward you. Look at verse 9. And masters, do the same thing to them. What does that mean? Do the will of God as you exercise authority. Obey. And please the Lord, first and foremost, recognize that you too have a master in heaven who's watching you, watching not only every action, he is watching every thought. 
be submissive to the authority of your heavenly master, and in so doing, you will be a wonderful boss. Of course, this kind of admonition to masters, I mean, this is unheard of in the days of the apostle Paul. It's just unheard of. Because masters in the Roman Empire were all-powerful and almighty, and they were absolute in their authority. And Paul says, go back to Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. That's the foundational verse, as we remember. Why this radical change in the relationship between employer and employee? Ah, Paul said, because both have the same heavenly boss, the same heavenly master, because they both stand before him equal, because both stand before Him accountable for their actions and for their deeds, because both they stand before Him to be rewarded or otherwise, because He is the one who sees the very secrets of our hearts. Now, this was radical. This was revolutionary thought. In fact, the equivalent passage is in Colossians, masters, treat your slaves justly and lovingly, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Yet justice, justice, loving, yeah, that's how Jesus radicalized the heart. That's how Jesus revolutionized the heart, unheard of in Rome, but heard of in the New Testament. Listen to me. A godly employer is to reflect Christ to his employees. He is to be fair. He is to be just. He is to look out for their well-being. He is to care for them and care for their interest and protect their interest. He respects them. Why? Paul tells us why. Why? Because that honors the Lord. One more thing. I don't want you to miss, right? There's a few verses here. Um, At the end of verse 9, he said, not to play favorites because God does not play favorites. Verse 9, toward the very end of verse 9, there is no favoritism with Him. Now, when he's talking about this, he's not for a moment suggesting that you do not reward the hard worker and then you rebuke the goof-offs. That's not what he's saying here. No, don't take this to mean, you know, that uh, so you, we're going to establish communism in our society. Everybody gets the same reward. No, no, no. He already talked about fairness and justice before this. But when he's talking about favoritism, he's talking about personal favoritism. For personal reasons, you single people out. You know, Paul writes a very, very small letter in the New Testament. Most people, I doubt whether you've heard many sermons from that, because it's such a short epistle. It's the epistle to Philemon. And Philemon was a master, and he had a slave by the name of Anasimus. Anasimus obviously did something wrong. And he fled from his master's house. And in Rome, when a slave is a fugitive and found, they will print the letter F on his forehead, fugitive. But as the Lord, sovereign God, wills it, Anathemus runs right into the apostle Paul, and he thoroughly becomes converted to Christ. And Paul knew Philemon. He knew him well, so he writes him this letter, and he said, Philemon, receive Anathemus, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Now, 
Christ changed Philemon's heart, and the slave is his brother. It will make all the difference in the world. How you view your workplace, how you view the opportunities that God has given you, how you view your business, how you view your employer, how you view your employee. I'm going to tell you this as I conclude. It's a, a true story, and I read it a couple of years ago, tore my heart out, thought about it. There's a man by the name of Al, and Al worked as a bond broker. He was trading bonds, and his office was on the 105th floor in the World Trade Center. Al loved the Lord with all his heart. Al led many of his workers to Christ. Al saw his work as a mission field, although his family testified to the fact that many times his work stretched him out because so many of the things and the environment and and the stuff that goes on that he would be tempted to quit. And Al had a hard time, but he always believed that God called him to that place. That's his mission field. And he would go back again and again and again and again. And he would lead people to Christ. Many of his co-workers would mock him, and they nicknamed him the Rev. And yet every time they got into trouble, they went to him and asked for prayer. (laughs) On that fateful day, September 11th, When the plane hit the tower, Al, according to many eyewitnesses, gathered about 50 people, 50 of his colleagues, and he shared Christ with them. In the last moment, he wanted to make sure people were going to heaven, and then he prayed with them. In fact, before Al died, he could not reach home. He tried, and he couldn't. So he called an MCI operator, and he said, please, get in touch with my family. Get in touch with my wife, Jeannie, and tell them that I love them. Al's son, Christopher, said the following. He said, Al died doing exactly what he felt God called him to do in what was often difficult job environment. Believer, God has placed you where you are for a reason. And when it's time for God to move you somewhere else, He will. But as long as you're there, God has a plan and a purpose others that you may impact, and lives that you will change. If the thought of God having a greater plan for your life is totally foreign to you, maybe you'd like to have a conversation with a friendly and compassionate Leading the Way team member. Begin that conversation at ltw.org Jesus. This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. My name is Monica Leal Klein, and for 10 years of my life, I worked in high-risk neighborhoods as a sex educator. See, I didn't just teach comprehensive sex education. I lived it. I believed the lies that I was being taught. Um, I believed that I was independent and a strong woman if I had the freedom to do what I wanted whenever I wanted. And I found myself facing my own unplanned pregnancy. And because of where I worked and the kind of work I had been doing for so long, my immediate response was to schedule an abortion. I ended up calling one of my good friends from college. She had experienced an abortion and it was very difficult for her. And I suppose I just wanted her support and sympathy. And God used my friend to humanize my pregnancy, which was a real, living, developing child. I told my friend, I said, you're right, I'm going to have this child. And I knew I needed to get to church. And there was only one church that I knew of. I went to that church the next day. I got a Bible, 
And I never stopped going to church after that. God helped me to realize what sex education was really doing to the community. It was meeting people where they're at and just leaving them there. I actually believe that God would never allow me to speak publicly ever again. But within a year, He had me speaking again. But this time it was to glorify Him. And this is why I love listening to Dr. Youssef on his podcast. Because many times I'm discouraged. I mean, I am talking about all these things and immediately people want to attack me. But when I listen to a podcast like Dr. Youssef's and I hear his sermons, where he is bold enough to call out the culture for what it is and then to talk about God's truth, it encourages me daily knowing that I'm not the only one fighting this fight. The question is, is your life lived in Christ? Sometimes it is difficult on my own reading the Word of God and hearing Pastor Yusuf on his podcast break it down and help me understand it helps me to apply it to my work today. During the week when I'm facing whatever battles I'm facing, I'm going back to the Word of God. I'm going back to those stories. And then I'm realizing, you know, Dr. Youssef doesn't lead me back to him. He leads me to God's Word. Learn more of the impact of leading the way. Here's how to get in touch. 1-300-133-589. A ministry representative will be happy to assist. 1-300-133-589 Or go online, ltw.org. That's ltw.org. This program is provided by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.